Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Barry Schuster and Chris Tripoli. Well, welcome back to another session of The Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And today we've got an interesting session to talk about a startup idea, a counter-service pastry, a very interesting family recipe kolache that, of course, now is a major wholesale delivery product, having tremendous retail success. So our program is pleased to welcome Ralph and Melissa Larson. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So Ralph, Melissa, tell us about your concept and, and you know, your journey into this business. You know, what got you to where you are? Of course, we're interested in where you are right now, but always interested in what led you to uh, getting into the restaurant and food service business. This goes back many years ago to originally growing up in Houston. Mm-hmm. And my family picked up, we moved to, over to East Texas. And with that, we lived in right in town, but my father had admiration for having animals. And during that time, we were at the local county fair and picked up a pig, which at that point, we went along with the chickens, the geese and the rabbits and everything else in the backyard. And again, this was in town, which is probably not prohibited. But we, as when we were living there in town, the father would come back and forth from Houston on the weekends. And he had a friend there that had a, a bakery and he'd bring home the old bale bakeries in, in order to try to save a few dollars in for feeding the animals. So as we started feeding this pig, this pig ended up just following me around. And I mean, it was just like a dog. Everywhere I went, it followed me. I would ride it around the backyard front yard down the street and we were at the livestock show and rodeo in Houston and a gentleman did a caricature of me riding a pig I, I guess I was seven years old and he labeled it Kalachi Roth and for some reason this caricature stayed with me for for years I would put it in the scrapbook through high school I would find it kind of laugh about it no idea that I was going into any kind of Kalachi business or anything like that, and just kept finding this this character through after college, um, and moved back around around the state, and ended up one day. My wife here, she's from the same town, and we were dating, and at the point we got engaged, and father-in-law was asking us what we're going to do, and I said, I don't know, you know, I'd just probably stay in the yard business or raise cattle or what have you, and I just happened to find the scrapbook and open it up. And it just hit me at that point that we're going to open up a bakery. And my wife was calling on the uh, college station area of the pharmaceutical business. And she said, hey, there's a new location. You got to come look at it. Maybe we could do that. We wanted to get out of Crockett. So we moved over to College Station. We found a, a location for a new bakery. And that's kind of how the concept started. You know, people asked me, well, how would you figure out the name? And I was like, it's right here in this character. I said, there's no... I think it's Godsend that here it is. And so we opened up our first store. Wow. You know, we've heard some interesting how I got it in the business kind of thing, but I don't think we've heard anything quite like 
I was seven years old and living in a city and had a pig as a pet and rode it around. I, that's, that's a country my, song lyric right there. <laughs> I think that's that's farm to table before we <laughs> knew what to call it. But no, I, I had no idea that I was going to get into the, the bakery business. I knew about kolaches, but I didn't really know the history or anything behind that. But after, you know, finding that character so many different times through the years, I said, there's no denying it. I said, this is what we're going to do. Here we are. And, and you know, the that first year, we get married in August, move over to College Station in the spring, sign a lease on a building, we buy a house, we have a child coming, we're going through construction for a new business, and then we open up in September of what, 2000. So, so 21 years has gone by in a hurry. So, Melissa, now it's successful, it's, it's all good, but what are you thinking about this time where this scrapbook picture of a of a kid on a pig becomes an idea to start a bakery what were your ideas about this and i want to know you know starting to, i don't think it's a bad idea people get into this for all different reasons but wanting to start a bakery and then actually doing it is no mean feat i want to hear about that but melissa i got to hear from you what are you thinking at this point i was a little nervous lots of prayers but i trusted rolf so it was hard at first, just getting used to it. And of course, I had another, I had my own job and I was working on the weekends. And then after our first child came, I was like, it's all yours for a while. And then I've joined back now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was hard at first, but it, it's, we've been very fortunate. So we've been, been lucky as far as um, the Bryant College Station area has really supported us well. And mm-hmm. the business has continued to grow. But yes, it was uh, a little nerve wracking at first. How do you learn to? getting the baking business like that that's that seems like a big deal Rob. that seems like a, a pretty steep learning curve from my perspective anyway you might be smarter than me i guess that's that's you know that's what? not easy i didn't make my first kolache until the day we opened <laughs> so but with that said we had a family friend uh in the business and yeah cousins yeah and had some cousins in the business in north texas and just um kind of talking with them and bouncing things off of them and through the past history and, and working in, uh, you know, I spent several weeks in one of their shops, just kind of learning the processes. But, uh, you know, I just knew it was something we needed to do. And, and, and it was challenging from day one from the budget I thought I needed for build out to what actually came in to me becoming the contractor and trying to sub it out. Um, there's a lot of roads that went left and right, and uh, they finally came back and met up, and, and I think we've been very successful and very fortunate. Good. So you just, I mean, this is the definition of learning as we go. So the first kolaches were made in the, the first store. So that means, we, you know, we didn't really have long history of that. There was some family connection, thankfully, get some family recipes, but um, what did you learn from those early, that, that early on uh, year or two? How was the concept accepted? Um, <clears throat> what were the popular items back then as to compared to today? And, um, you know, how was how your role changed from that first year uh, of, I guess, doing everything hands-on, running one unit, to when you then decided to grow? We've learned a lot. It's- I've got to give credit to some friends that were in the business, a restaurant, McDonald's business, what have you, and 
and their advice uh, starting up. I mean, this uh, the challenge of, of hiring people and the right people. Um, we're very fortunate there, but it's also the, the backside that we were a little little shaky about. I mean, it's it's the the payroll taxes, the all the the, the government paperwork that's required, the state, uh, the sales tax, setting up your your POS systems and what have you. Uh, it's a major learning curve and you know no doubt about it we we stumbled there for a while but we, we stayed on top of it and uh, with their help got us through that period and then we found other um, assistants and, and the people that could help with the structure of the business you know hindsight uh, should have paid more attention in the, the business classes in college uh, it might have helped me along a little further but that's that um you know there were um, ourselves. I mean, it, we started off with a pretty good following. We're, I mean, it, yeah, we didn't really. Our, our first week, uh, we had like a home game and it was a brand new area. We had uh, several restaurants that just opened up uh, next to us. And so everybody was coming out to see this new strip center and grocery store. Uh, and then we had a first home game, which is a big deal here in Aggieland. Um, and that was that just line out the door. Yeah, line out the door. And then we had two or three home games back to back. And that really just started us off. You know, I mean, obviously that helps cash flow immediately. Um, uh, looking back, you know, just uh, our days in the kitchen. I mean, we were there from four in the morning to 10 at night trying to make enough food. Now, you know, granted, we were better trained and better familiar with. Uh, the steps and processes that we can do the same thing and be out by noon or one o'clock for the same volume. I mean, that's, uh, we've come a long ways. Your breakfast and lunch, I believe, am I correct? I, I was looking at your website. Um, it's just breakfast and lunch. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Breakfast and lunch. Um, since COVID, we've kind of cut back our hours to more like noon, um, just to, to really get a good push on, on the breakfast side of things. Um, we are going back this fall and getting back everything back into regular hours and do more of a, the, you know, expand our, our lunch back to what we had pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. And I believe you're up to three units now, or am I, am I shortchanging you? Okay, so you know, everybody wants to grow and, and you have, um, what was the time period between opening that first unit and number two and number three? Well, I guess in number three, I'm assuming that um, you went a, a fairly long period of time to get at your systems and everything down before you went to number two. And 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 are you sort of in an acceleration mode now? How does how does that curve look? I guess I'm asking. Initially, uh, the first store we were three years before we opened our second. Mm -hmm. um, two years before we opened our third, but. That ended up being uh, a failure, or we, we closed the doors on that. Um, location. Just with, with location at that time, just wasn't. Um, so we stepped back, had the two, and then a third location that we have now, um, it just came to us and we had to jump on it. Uh, very fortunate there. And then we had momentum. Uh, I guess at the time, I must have a really good banker that was wanting to put out some money. So. We ended up with a four and a five store um, after two years of that and running crazy, decided that uh, we'll let those 
two stores go and get back to three. Um, and that was, that was the right move at that time to do that. And this allowed us to actually get into the other business of uh, manufacturing. So when you first opened, and again, you were blessed with high customer acceptance, line out the doors, um, to today, has there been a shift in your product mix or are some of the key most popular items that people first bought the same key most popular items today? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Well, like the Sabaja sausage and the cream cheese. I mean, I, I would say our items are still this. Yeah, yeah our, our sausage items or, or, or fruit-filled items have been, uh, from day one, the most popular items as still today. I mean, we really haven't changed our menu, except for, you know, we've added, added some seasonal items um, and a few other ones we've tweaked, but the menu stayed pretty, has stayed pretty consistent since the beginning. And is that good or bad? I, I don't know. Um, we seem to have good success with what, you know, what we're doing, so. What works is always good. All right. So, yeah, it sounds like you've got something that's working. Maybe uh, even though there were, as we just learned, a couple of store openings that weren't as successful, um, uh, I think the point was made you've cut back a couple of units. I think sometimes that's hard for independents to realize, but we've seen it, that sometimes taking a step back to go forward is a wise thing. Um, hard at the time, probably was for you too, to see, whatever that was, unit number four and unit number five, uh, that just wasn't, I guess, worth the time, the effort, maybe it wasn't a return on investment, <clears throat> but you cut back. And then it sounds like that was a very good way for you to go forward. Uh, maybe you could explain how you did go forward because it sounds like about that time you started developing a completely different, um, what became a completely different division of your company. Along the lines, I mean, the first, I'd say 10 years, um, we were really focused on our stores and we started thinking about what, what other challenges can we take? You know, is it more stores or what have you? Um, and it was over the holiday break. We had a, like a family reunion and we were all together eating, you know, for like two or three days. And we had clutches and, and uh, the family was like, man, you got to get these into the stores. This is easy, it's convenient, it's grab and go, pop in the microwave. And that really kind of got the, the, the mind spinning a little bit. So came back from the holidays and I started trying to work on how to get those in the stores. I really didn't know what it would take. Um, and then all the while we were working uh, the franchise and we had put together materials for franchising, but I kind of had to make a choice, you know, which direction to take and a new franchising was going to take a lot more time and uh, more focus. So we put that on the shelf and started working towards uh, uh, distribution, a wholesale side of things. Or that marketing class. Um, we, were, we were fortunate. A&M um, has a, a marketing class and, and one of the professors called and asked if I'd come out and speak to his class uh, about our stores and what have you. And he wanted to put his, um, it was like 60% of their grade, I believe, the final grade, uh, the team of the kids, uh, they listen and he put a project or how can you help uh, Kalachi Ross expand? And the, some of the ideas these guys came up with, uh, ladies were just 
phenomenal. And one of them did get into the local local AGB. And that's kind of where we started. I'm glad she's got a good memory. <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's phenomenal. So something as specific as uh, uh, getting your product into a particular local grocery store, and that came from a university uh, student in a marketing class. Yes, and we just we just delivered for the for, I don't remember the time frame, but we delivered it to the back door for the first. Several months. Oh yeah, we, we the local uh, manager said that's great. Let me you know check uh, with this kind of parts, and they were all good with it. And we created a like a clamshell eight pack of kolaches, and we came up with a label. And you know that was a challenge of how to put together a label. Um, and then every morning we'd go over, we'd knock on the back door of a local grocery retailer, and um, sometimes they let me ride in and sign me off and I could go drop my products off or if he was busy or in a uh, not so good mood, I might have to uh, wait an hour. But we did that for, for six months just to create a, um, sales and, and see just what was selling. What's that? A demand. A demand. And we decided after the end of that that we need to take it to the next step and uh, they kind of advised a little bit. They had a quest competition so the uh the distribution model um uh how scalable is it I, I, you think um is is it fairly local right now um what are some of the challenges for scaling it up to not just regional but you know a much larger level is this is that is that on your your radar at all in terms of plans absolutely for us um when we initially started just to have a history, uh, we couldn't do any of the meat items. We're not, we're not USDA um, approved at that time. Okay. We focused on the, the fruit kolaches. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the learning lessons, we got connected with a guy that just became a broker and what we thought was, was going to, to take us to that 10,000 store level. Um, Took us for a very bumpy ride that, that initial year. It's many thousands of dollars spent. Um, you could be angry that we didn't get anywhere, but also on that journey, uh, we learned a lot through other uh, facilities that we were able to, to talk to in order to, they were, we were looking to find somebody that could help co-pack co our products. Mm -hmm. um, and after that wrapped up, we decided to go different directions. Um, we realized that we could do this in our in our own facility. We just had to make a few changes and uh, purchase a little bit of equipment. The fruit kolaches, not the, the not the meat. Yeah, the fruit, the fruit kolaches. So um, we started with that. Um, continued a little bit with with HEB, but we're we're really trying to get um, into all the stores and just knocked on the doors and knocked on the doors and called and. and we just weren't going anywhere. I mean, it got frustrating. I had a, a reefer truck, I had packaging equipment. Um, we just couldn't get any traction. I actually, actually had put all of this on Craigslist to get rid of it. We were just going to go back to focus on the stores. Um, I get a call and this lady said, Hey, my, my mother had, a, a had your kolaches. And she said, these are real kolaches and we need to get these into the store. 
And, you know, I was like, well, you know, are you here locally? I'll come out and meet you. And she goes, no, 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 we're in our office. And I said, well, you know, I sent samples to you 14 months ago. And she said, well, my mom was snooping around the kitchen. She found them. Uh, how do we get you in? And that's, that started that. Uh, we got in and, and um, the, the, I got the ball rolling there. Wow. Wow. From a standpoint, you were doing this at first with some equipment and out of your retail location? Yeah. We started with the fruit kolaches because we are, you know, we, we could we could do that in the local bakeries. Um, right. But then we, that, so that's kind of where it started. And then we decided to, we found a co-packer to do the meats. And then we kind of did a product chain to kind of a relaunch of the kolache raw products. Um, and that's, that kind of, started us to where we're at now, I guess on the track that we're at now. Um, the facilities. It, it, it was hard to find uh, co-packers yes. for meat items. I mean, it was, we searched many, many years and, and that just kept where we go. I mean, you look at the sales of the stores, we probably sell three meats to a, to one fruit. So we knew, we knew we needed to get towards that protein, but just couldn't find anybody to, uh, to produce it for us. And then, Finally, we made a connection and uh, that helped get us started and that, that uh, allowed us a whole lot of different avenues to take, which allowed us to get into food service. And then uh, we've expanded in some other retail uh, grocery chains now. And, um, you know, the future looks, looks great. That's what we decided that we would like to have more control over some, some of our items. Um, therefore, you know, we wanted to put in our own facility. At the store level, is it is are the sales mostly grab and go? Are they are the people sit down and, and enjoy the food there? Um, and where I'm kind of going with this is how much of your business model has been affected by the pandemic in terms of where your focus is, and was there some advantages you had because of the style of concept you had that that may have made it easier for you during in the pandemic than if you had been a different type of restaurant or different type of food service establishment? You know, with uh, two of the three locations have drive-throughs. So, um, you know, initially when, when COVID hit, we just took a step back and uh, I guess what was touching for me, you know, I'm, I guess we'd say uh, kind of down and out and, and some of the employees noticed that and like, hey, we're going to be okay. And then one of them pulled me aside and he goes, you know, hey, boss, we look to you to energize us. And if you walk around with your head down, I mean, what kind of example are you setting? Yeah. And, well, I tell you what, I, I stopped. And and after that moment, we we all got on the same page and we just took off. We just started promoting and uh, just just trying to be creative with everything we were doing. Um, uh, got volunteer or donated, tied in with uh, – feeding a bunch of students around the area, um, local, local students and school districts. So just everything we could think of to, to help the community. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the community was great as well. I mean, they reached back and, and helped us. So uh, that's kind of what got us through, through COVID. Um, as far as the model side, you know, typically I'm always uh, wanting people more or less to come in and go, the more they would sit, uh, Maybe the more they could look at things and, and you know, more of a grab and go, dissect it or whatever. But uh, we 
I always liked to grab and go um, and, and, and thought about, you know, our next door is doing a smaller version of just drive through or walk up, grab and go and limit the seating. I mean, um, there's a few people like come in and sit down and, uh, and catch up, family gatherings or whatever. But generally speaking, most everybody's just walking in, grab and go or drive through. And our, our retail side of it picked up because of the grocery stores and all the sales. So that side actually picked right, up. Right. So we were blessed with that. How does the production level, or how did it when you were first being in wholesale, affect retail? Because you were doing it out of the out of one of the units, I guess. Were you able to, to bring in the extra equipment that you bought? <clears throat> um, were you able to do it while you were still serving? Or was this became sort of a round the clock production so that it wouldn't interrupt, you know, your uh, dine-in service? Now we kept uh, production after hours. And that way we, we focus on retail, you know, in the mornings after that, uh, stop, clean up, and then we start production in the back in the evening hours. And we have, we're paying the rent. Might as well use up as much uh, of that as we can. Um, and that's kind of how we ran for the production on, on that side of Lachie Ross. Chris, I'm seeing a lot more independence, not a, not a lot, but more than I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, getting into retail distribution, wholesale distribution. What's going on out there where it's becoming more accessible for the independent operator, um, like Roth and Melissa, that, you know, we didn't see maybe 10, 15 years ago? Uh, I'd give a lot of credit to like HEB and their, their quest. Um, they've really opened up the market and, and given the, the, the smaller the little guys uh, an opportunity to present their products. And that I think the big push is local. Like they really push the local Texas local brands. And I think that's what the quest is all about is really, you know, just hi highlighting the, the small local um, businesses or restaurants or food industry. Does the cross-branding between, you know, your presence in the retail market and then, of course, your, uh, you know, your presence, uh, uh, you know, in your stores, do they feed off each other? Do people, you know, say, hey, I, I was in the grocery store and I saw that you, I bought these, they're great, now I want to come try them out at your store and vice versa. Is there, is there cross-pollination and marketing from those or are they, they really kind of separate enterprises no i think there is and, and also with the university being here and, and us being here for 21 years there's a lot of students that have come and gone and started families in other communities around the state mm -hmm. um pre-covid we were doing a lot of shows cuttings demos and I'm just amazed that the people walk by like oh my gosh you know there's Clashy ross i went to school there you know and we'll talk about it and it's just a good uh, talking point but uh, definitely cross-connected. Excellent. So just to get a feel for where that um, wholesale distribution level is now from the early beginnings and the knocking on the doors and handling, uh, you know, the baking, the distribution, the selling, the sampling, all on your own, where are you now? Uh, how are you structured? How many units are you in? Uh, how are you keeping up with that production? Uh, we have... We're in over 150 uh, HEB locations. We're just getting into 108 uh, Kroger 
uh, bakeries. Wow. And uh, Cisco Foods, Houston, uh, Central Texas. Um, you know, just keep promoting and, and, and trying to expand out. Uh, we're very fortunate. You know, like I said, we're very close to having our production facility uh, completed so we can roll some of that in there and have a little more space. And uh, a lot of that is a room just for uh, the materials and supplies to keep on hand. Uh, we got larger freezer space. Uh, you know, that's always been an issue trying to shuffle, shuffle that around. Well, your retail, um, uh, I'll call it your manufacturing facility for lack of a better term. Will that also service a commissary supplier for your stores or um, you can keep, keep production between retail wholesale and, and your storefront separate? No, it's, we would like to do that. How soon I, I take that on. Um, I haven't quite figured that out, but definitely that's on our plate to, that way it allows us for a more consistent item um, for our retail units. And that way we can bring everything into one house and then distribute, distribute it, would, it out. It would also seem to, to really give you an opportunity to ramp up the number of uh, stores, um, you know, and maybe even a smaller footprint possibly to, to save on leasing. Am I, am I kind of getting it? Yes, you're, you're on it. That's, that's our goal. Uh, to, to just to narrow down that footprint if you can. Um, it seems like there's a lot of people going that direction now, more of just a, a drive-through concept or a walk-up, but definitely get a consistent product. We can distribute it out. It would allow us to uh, franchise uh, a lot easier, I believe, with a more consistent product. And with labor being an issue, we take some of that out of it to where you just uh, step in and maybe proof and bake slag proof and bake the products without having to have a big table and, and kitchen area to, to make all your products. In the June issue of Restaurant Startup and Growth, one of our feature story, actually, our main feature story is on the importance of developing a good relationship with bankers. And of course, you know, when you're brand new startup, it's hard to get that, uh, get institutional lending. But once you've proven yourself like you have, um, then that relationship can be important. And you did kind of mention that in passing. So just, you know, given that we're talking about that, and now I'm talking to you, somebody who actually, you said you found a good banker. Um, is it as big a deal as, as some say it is to have that good relationship in terms of your, your growth model and how'd that work for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've been very fortunate, found the right, right guy to talk to. Um, mm -hmm your relationships uh, and one that believed in us. I mean, we, we do have a track record. I know that uh, that helps quite a bit as opposed to someone starting out, but uh, you know, just there's other things that we've approached and, and, and the bottom line is the guys, the bankers, you know, been encouraging. He said, let's look at it. Let's pursue it. Don't just give up because say you don't have that startup cash. There's, there's ways to make things happen. And, you know, this particular gentleman, if he believes in, in us, um, he's pretty creative, he's creative on, on ways to, to find, to make it work. Yeah. To make it work. So there were, so were things he suggested that you, you didn't know about or were kind of unexpected that you go, I didn't know we could do this. Uh, I mean, were the, was he helping you solve some problems, get that money in ways that, that you might've not figured out on your own? Yes. Yes. Yeah. SBA has been very helpful. Over, and, uh, 
definitely SBA. SBA has helped out quite a bit. We've um, been. Different avenues to take and opportunities. And we've Excellent. Been, we've taken advantage of the opportunities that the SBA is offering. We just always met Chris and then uh, the Jim, the local guy, has been very supportive and very helpful and, you know, always he's also really good about being creative if we have some, an idea of things that we can do and then what, you know, um, we've met all the, the different consultants. And so it's been, that's been a huge, huge help. Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to find that guy mm -hmm. initially. Um, we just encourage them to, to keep looking. I mean, don't, don't just go to one bank and, and, and get the door slammed on you and walk out and throw the business plan in the trash and, and do something else. There's, there's many, many opportunities, many places to go out there. And I, I just encourage those people to, to keep trying, keep looking. And, uh, it's it, it, can, it can happen. I mean, we're, we're that story. Wow. That's encouraging. It's very encouraging uh, to, to go from that standpoint, like you said, where there was a point where you were thinking of Craigslisting and selling your production and packaging equipment because you didn't think it would work. And, right. and, and here you are now with, gosh, 180, 200 and some stores, new facility under construction that can probably double or triple the volume. So, so maybe you could elaborate a little bit on your role through this, because I think listeners who might have the same idea of taking a product you know, from their menu and seeing if they can't package, label, and distribute um, are, are, could be overwhelmed by the process. But here you are, and you went from a unit, and then you started doing it, uh, obviously had some difficulties, uh, overcame the difficulties, and, and you um, have a very, very successful distribution um, division now. How has your role changed? What kind of structure did you need to bring in or what pieces do you need now so that you can operate smoothly and not be overwhelmed? Oh boy. <laughs> um, you have to be able to wear many hats and I, I still wear many hats. I mean, it's from, if we need to go in at four in the morning and I need to make deliveries, I'm still doing that. And I mean, you just, uh, she may get a little upset because I'll have something planned, but you know, this pops up, I've got to go make a delivery. I mean, the switch hats, go make the delivery and I get back to, to production, but. Um, well, you've done right. a better job of delegating. You, well, yeah, that's that, that, that is definitely a weakness of mine is, is delegating. And um, you've got, fortunately our staff at our three locations, I mean, we've always been fortunate with Employees. I mean, we've had some up years and down years just because we live in a college town, but we have a really good, solid staff now that can take a lot of those roles that he would just, I mean, things that he would just do. He, he's now delegating and they're really good about picking it up. So I think that allows the freedom to work. And I've kept them involved with uh, the new production. construction and, and what we're doing. And, and they all see the bigger picture. Um, and they've been extremely loyal um, to me. So that's helped. You know, they see the potential growth. Yeah, they see the potential growth. Uh, they can read me like a book when I walk in the back door. They know what kind of day it is for me or what have you. So they step up or, or what have you. But uh, I get, you know, uh, very fortunate on that side of things. Uh, you know, now we're looking to, there's a lot of 
new procedures and new territory that we're going into that we're not, I would say, certain about, or, I mean, we've got a, we know things are coming. We just, um, there, there's other people we need to bring in for, to advise or to assist or to, to kind of show us some steps to take. Yeah, I would say that the key to it is finding the right people to help you and advise you and then also your staff. I mean, that's that's the, the key to all of it is, is finding the right people. And they're there. You just have to find them. And fortunately, now we I think we feel like we've got the right team and advisors in place that's going to help the production side of it and the building out a lot smoother. Well, the first and foremost is find a good bookkeeper, accountant, and, and, and stay on top of that. Don't sure. get behind. Don't ever get behind there. A lot of independents we're talking to, and particularly those in a growth mode like you are, um, in this environment, are talking about. You've read it as well as I have. Problems finding labor, labor shortages, interruptions in the supply chain. Uh, I, I'm not getting a sense that that stuff's keeping you up at night. Um, is it just you're not talking about it or is uh, do you think is that just not been a problem for you or have you solved the problem? No. It not since not since the uh, COVID. I think we were really fortunate that before all of that took place that we had the, the staff that we have was already in place and they were they were a solid. I mean, they're family oriented, you know, um, they're. I mean, they've been with us for several years. They didn't, they want to work. So we were really lucky where I know some other, you know, businesses are struggling. We've heard of that, but we've been very fortunate that we had a really good core group um, that just, I mean, they wanted to work. They were, they stuck it out. And, you know, fortunately, because we were kind of a grab and go, we didn't have to close that long. So I think just having that stable staff has been key. I mean, that, that's that's been, we are, we do have the issues as everybody else across the country from shortages of whatever supplies you can imagine. I mean, equipment is, uh, you know, just for new construction ordering, it's eight weeks, it's 12 weeks. It's anywhere from electrical parts, um, you know, freight is an issue. Um, the staffing, we've been very lucky. Yeah, staff is lucky, but all the other components, it's been backed up. It's been, we, we struggle, but I've kind of reached that, um, I guess it's come become a norm now. And I think yeah. everybody's like, oh yeah, no, yeah it's, it's six weeks, it's eight weeks. Okay, I mean, I don't like it. I mean, but I don't have a choice. I mean, we, that's what I'm faced with right now. Hopefully things get better. Sure. Well, what I'm hearing is that it seems like you've, gone through these tough times, but you've also been able to go through some tremendous growth because you're practicing the good business principles, you know, that we see with successful small hands-on operators. Um, and that is the, the development of staff. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, the, um, the ability to engage them, the ability to delegate uh, without losing the flexibility. Because you mentioned that a couple times about how owners still have to be flexible to go from production to delivery to client services. So that's kind of what I'm taking away from that. Is, is there an element of technology uh, that is in your business now that maybe helps either with efficiency of handling client orders, scheduling, 
um, maybe even the operation of some of your equipment or not? Um, we're, we're in the <laughs> no is right now is the answer as far as technology. Uh, we are in the process of upgrading our technology. I mean, our POS system and even our website. So we're, we're trying to revamp that. Um, now we've had, we had somebody that, we have somebody that does social media. Um, I recommend the, the young college student there. They know how to work all those different avenues. So we've been fortunate. We've had somebody do that piece of it, but as far as like the actual technology, um, we're in the process of upgrading. And I, I've been old school. So I've been hard to, to make changes and uh, that's something I've come around on, we're updating procedures and processes and other yeah, people taking the lead and, and making things easier. You know, the, the new, what I'm faced with now, I'm going from a 30-quart mixer to a 160-quart mixer. Um, it's, it's a game changer. It's a, the processes are completely different, the same but different. Um, there's going to be a big learning curve that next at the next level, but um, there's not a day goes by. I don't just, I hate when I have to go to bed at night. I can't wait to get up in the morning to, to get out and, and, and attack it. I mean, I just, uh, I love it. I'm driven by it. And it's, I find it exciting, even through the lows uh, that we've gone through. And, and there's no doubt we, we've, <laughs> we've definitely had some lows through all this in the last 21 years, but uh, um, I'm still, I guess it's just as engaged and excited as I was then. Um, so. Well, our, kid, we've, our oldest one has been very bald. Our kids now that are, we're babies when we started our, not even we're babies, but now we've got our kids involved, especially our oldest one, so. And, and that's, that's something I wanna add. When we initially started the company um, 21 years ago, um, you know, yeah, we, obviously we wanted to make money, but I wanted the freedom to be able to do, not miss anything with the kids. And I was very fortunate with this business and where we were located and, and the locations of the schools that we, we, never, we never missed anything. We were there. Um, and now it's kind of exciting to see them at a different age. Um, and they're really seeing a part of the manufacturing side of things that um, the light's kind of coming on. And they're actually going, wow, dad, you, you really had to work, uh, you know, they, so they never understood. Are they looking for careers in the business? Um, are they looking to stick it out with you? And as this thing grows, uh, you know, some pretty responsible positions are going to arise. You can't do it all yourselves. There's opportunity. Yeah. Um, we, we shall say, you know, I want them to go out and, and uh, spread their wings and do their own thing. And they're more welcome to come back and, do it on their own terms. Um, sure. Sure, we're not going to force anything upon them. Mm -hmm. How long will it be uh, for the <clears throat> new manufacturing facility that you had referred to a couple times for it to be completed and for that move to be made? We hope to have equipment in place in July. Um, and so later July, we hope to have things kind of in, in motion. Um, at that point, there's a lot of uh, processes as your, your USDA and your HACCP planning and so forth. All that needs to be in place. We're working on that, but until you get everything in place and operational, um, 
this will be for that approval as well. But our goal is uh, at mid to late July to have our facility in operations. That's fantastic. So you've got an active summer ahead of you, new facility to get into. Um, what happens in your mind as the next challenge, as you continue to build the wholesale operation? Um, what do you see, you know, as uh, Kalachi Ralph's short-term objectives and, um, and next things to accomplish? The first challenge is that going to be that first note that's due. But uh, no, with that, with that said, uh, it's just getting the facility up and run, the, the processes, uh, laid out and a smooth trans transition into that. In the meanwhile, you want to continue uh, your sales and you want to you want to pick up sales and make sure you can fill up those days of the week with production. Um, you know, we don't want any downtime, obviously, but there's going to be downtime with any any startup. So we understand that. You know, as you uh, you're building this this marketing channel for your products. Um, from my perspective, that channel has as much has a great deal of value. Are you thinking that? Well, you know, we we're we're selling our pro our products that we know all about. We've been doing this for a long time through this channel. But boy, maybe we need to maybe we have an opportunity here to expand the our product offerings. Does does that ever occur to you, or is your advice, hey, you know, stick to your knitting. You know what you're doing. You you do a good job with these. You have a good brand with these. Um, why introduce other products into this into that channel? We'll keep our our stable products as is, and then slowly expand out. We're not going to jump um, beyond what we're comfortable with. Sure, uh, there's a lot of uh, items or products that uh, that we can do uh, with our our, our dough. Um, mm -hmm. And we're not opposed to, we may bring in and do some additional co-packing for someone else that wants to get started. Um, uh -huh. We know those, those challenges and, uh, you know, that's things we can address as, as we grow, but that's, that's another option is to open up some of that um, and help some other people along. Well, that was kind of the goal with the manufacturing is we have some, you know, some uh, solid co-packers now, but, to be able to do some of the other items that um, we think will would be good uh, products or good sales, um, we needed to have the freedom to kind of be have our own facility to be able to create those. So, yes, sure. we'll definitely grow our product line, or that is the goal. Sure. Build build the brand. Yeah. Sure. And do you think that by building the brand, um, um, will maybe carry over to help? expand uh, the small retail counter service and drive-through, uh, you know, operations into new markets. Uh, I'm just thinking, as you say, add more product and maybe as grocery stores expand territories, you might find that you're in stores in other areas of the state, other states. Does that mean that maybe you would be interested in going into those markets then with a retail unit? That, that is the plan. That's uh, the long -term. Yeah, that's, that is a long-term plan. While we're building the brand, um, getting those out there, the the franchising side of things, um, that is building the brand with the units as yeah, well as the, the exactly, retail side exactly. of it. Well, I can see how that would carry over. 
if you have brand success, um, customer acceptance at the grocery store level, uh, and then being able to find it, you know, coming soon to my neighborhood, here's a fresh drive-through location. Um, yeah, I, I could see how those two would work together. Uh, I think you guys are on a wonderful track. Uh, right now, obviously, for the short term to build up production and continue distribution, but then long term to have that brand carryover with retail fill-in. Uh, sounds like that would be an opportunity for a completely new uh, franchise model. Because you currently aren't franchising, is that correct? No, no. no. That is the long-term goal. Mm -hmm. That's part of the, uh, with the facility, with going back to what we talked about earlier, the, the products, um, having all those made up and consistent, uh, that's something we can uh, prep and then, then ship out to those franchisees through our distribution. Um, I think that makes it a little bit easier uh, on them. You know, they can focus on the front of the store uh, and not so much in the back of the store and have a list of, of smaller footprint. Yeah, I guess with the broad line distributors serving as your not only your suppliers, but I guess your distributors too, that, that maybe simplifies things unless you're going to do all your own transportation. Not at this moment, um, mm -hmm. but you may be forced to with, I mean, the struggles that we're having now, I can see where um, maybe it is something we go and do. And uh, I mean, it would, it would expand our markets in, in smaller areas or rural areas or uh, other locations so forth, just outside of franchising, there may be um, other companies that, that want our products on our drop. So we'll look at that in, in due time, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. You must like to learn because it seems like you're learning something every week in that business uh, by oh. necessity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and some of the people that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we got tied with, uh, and I say we went down, quote unquote, the, the, the wrong bunny trails, but although we went with these people and we went down these roads, uh, the, the learning curve, the people we met across the country, um, I mean, it turned the light on for us to, okay, that's how you do it this way, you know. Learn what, what to do and what, what not to do. What to do and what not to do. Sure, surely. Wow. That's why you take it. It's not a failure, but just as a learning, as a learning opportunity. Well, Chris, as we're wrapping things up, you know, you've been a food service consultant, restaurant consultant for many years, and you've seen a lot. So what are the, what are, what are the key take-home points? I'm just generally inspired by what I'm hearing here, and, and now I'm excited for them because they're going to – the sky's the limit from what I can see. So what, what could you tell me as a aspiring operator listening to this, that uh, the key take home points we can, we can walk away from, from this other than some really good luck and hard work. Well, that's true. Uh, and, you know, and some timing, uh, you brought that up earlier in the program right now, there does seem to be um, uh, a tremendous customer acceptance at the retail level for buying small, uh, local, supporting the small local brand. And so I think that's one takeaway is that if you are an independent, um, right now, large grocery stores 
are looking uh, a little bit more than they were, say, a decade or two ago. And they're listening more to the small upstart because they know that there's a high level of guest acceptance to look for a new brand of bakery or the local brand of seasoning, marinade, chips, dips, et cetera. So some of that. Uh, but the key takeaway is just because it's marketable and there's timing, um, there's an awful lot of uh, work and dedication. Uh, and so it's a step-by-step -step process. Um, and you have to kind of start small with your production, do an awful lot of work yourself. That's a key takeaway here. Then you do need to team up. Uh, we, that's a third takeaway we learned here. Is it, it, there, it's a people business after all. So even if you aren't in the frontline restaurant, but you're still a restaurant that wants to get into retail wholesale, you're still going to be depending a lot about your staff um, and the connections that you make in the community that can help with distribution, the networking, the financing. Um, and so, you know, that's a toughie. And then I think the next takeaway is that the owner's role is one that is really going to be a director, supporter, uh, a man who wears many different hats because wholesale distribution is not easy. It's, a, it's operations and it's staff supervision, it's client services and it's delivery. And so um, there's just no way of, I think, uh, skipping that. Um, but I'm really encouraged. I think, Barry, we're gonna hear more stories as we go forward of people who started out with a really good product and didn't abandon uh, their units um, but in, a, in addition to their units, find, found ways of selling uh, that product in grocery markets or wholesale dis distribution outlets. I think it's a trend um, that's got long legs. Well, I hope the local university students understand what a great uh, case study uh, you've provided them, Melissa and Rolf. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty darn good case study for uh, diversification and success. So. Um, congratulations to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. Uh, if I can leave with one thing, it was, for those that are starting out, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, reach out, just ask. There's a lot of people out there that will help as much as they can or, or, or give out information as they, as they can. Um, we've been very fortunate uh, for people doing that. And I mean, without their help, we would not be here. Mm -hmm. Well, Melissa, Ralph, thank you so much for giving us time today. Uh, thanks so much for stepping out like you did in a year when I think you had enough on your plate with moving to a new city, being newly married, moving into your first house and everything, and taking that year to open up a new business. I, I still can't see how you survived all of that, but um, but some of the uh, the points that you shared today, I think, are very, very helpful, and I think the listeners really benefited from your story. So. Uh, we wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to everyone else, stay tuned. Hope to see you on another session of The Corner Booth real soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on The Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.